My racing career isn't just about me. It's about the team, the fans, the sponsors, the families, the tracks, the whole sport. Join us over the next five months on the Junior Nation Appreciation Tour, where we show appreciation to where it's owed. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Everybody, it's Dale Jr. Another episode of the Dale Jr. Download with Tyler Overstreet. Thanks to Hopeless Records for providing today's theme song. That's Catholic Girls by The Dangerous Summer. I uh, got to see those guys in concert Sunday. That was the first song they played. Was it? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you had the music way loud. Because the... I like to rock. Yeah, you need to work on that. Now I can hear you. Um, so, Richmond, let's get right to it. I had a great car. Probably the best... Would you say it was the best car we had all year? Uh, well, the it Texas was a strong car, was car, Texas car. But the Texas car, it was we got track position kind of through pitch strategy. This car the other night, you legitimately drove by all those guys yeah. to get up to, a, I think, you. I mean, you led a few laps, but that was through a cycle of pit stops. But you peaked at fifth, yeah. and you were passing guys, catching guys. So it was a very good car. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um you know, we it, we talked about going into the weekend with uh, with Greg suspended uh, because of the lug nuts at Darlington. Um, we talked all week about trying to uh, how we were going to manage this situation, what we were going to do if they wanted to put somebody else on the box or whatever. Um, uh, Hendrick has a lot of talented guys with a lot of experience as crew chiefs uh, to that could have came in there, Darren Grubb and uh, Kenny Francis or anybody could have sat on the box or, or basically ran the weekend for us. But we uh, we wanted to do it ourselves. I uh, thought we had um, good talent with T-Mac and, and Tim, our lead engineer, all those guys. Everybody was going to step up a little bit, and we thought we could handle it. Um, so Hendrick let us sort of go that route. They did send Kenny Francis to sort of watch over our shoulders, which was great, um, and I'm – been great friends with Kenny. We used to race late models together at the beach, and so I've known him a long time. So it was great to have him around, just in case we needed him. Um, but T Mac and everybody stepped up a little bit. The car, uh, I, I don't really know how great the car was off the truck. Hard to tell there, but we worked on it and tried to make it drive better and more comfortable. We made some good changes. I thought in practice, everybody was real vocal. There was a lot of great communication throughout the weekend this situation kind of made everybody have to step up a little bit and you know it was great to run good felt good to run up front but I think we learned a lot about our team going forward and these guys can carry that even even beyond this season so it was uh it was a good weekend it had been it could have been better you know the car could have been a little faster fast enough to drive all the way to the lead we we just lacked a little bit of speed uh, compared to maybe the 78, there were times in the race the car was the fastest car on the track. Uh, and had we gotten that caution that we needed at the end, we stayed out really long. And that was the only way I think we were going to win the race. That was our that was our gamble. Everybody started short pitting for that last run. Say the last run was 120 laps. Everybody pitted around lap 60 to cut it in half. Uh, we we stayed out really long, hoping to catch a caution, so we could uh, we basically could grab and 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 steal that track position. Uh, that might have given us the opportunity to win the race, but we didn't get the yellow that we needed. Once we pitted, we came back out around 22nd. I think we were running about sixth, seventh when we when that cycle started. Yeah, I think fifth um, or sixth. Yeah, and then we drove back up to uh, finish 13th. So salvaged a decent finish. And 
seemed like everybody on social media, uh, most for the most part, the fans were happy just to see the car run well and have us running up toward the front. And for the most part, this is the same group that you've had for several years. So it's not like they didn't forget how to race. No. So, I mean, yeah. it's just a good reminder to show everybody this is still a damn good team. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, Hendrick Motorsports is a great company. We are struggling a little bit as a group. Uh, I think Chevrolet as a group is struggling. There's only one Chevrolet that's been running good all year, and that's Larson. Right. And so I think I know, I know everybody's excited about the car next year and thinking that that's going to bring – performance back to the Chevy teams um, but Larson is that example of what we can accomplish this year if we figure out what we need in the car right and we were able to do that this weekend and um, there's a little bit of hope for for Hendrick Motorsports going forward into the chase with how uh, you know we were able to get our car competitive this weekend so one of the big stories from the night was that NASCAR race control yeah they and they admitted this yesterday, um, that they had a rough night. Early in the race, they called a caution because Matt Kenseth locked up his tire or his brakes going into turn three. And so the, it shot some smoke, and he kind of shot up the racetrack. Yeah. And they're like, oh, caution. And which I, I was walking out of the tunnel at that time, and Where I saw it happen. I had to take my bag out to the bus. <laughs> I See, during the race, I have to prepare for our departure. Oh, I got you. And then... The biggest um, issue of the night was the ambulance coming onto pit road, which ended Matt Kenseth's race because he everybody stacked up and he piled in somebody. You got a little damage there, and you almost got a ton of damage if Kyle Busch would have wouldn't yeah. have made such an evasive move at the last second. So whenever you come around the corner and you see an ambulance sitting there, what what goes through your mind? Uh, well, just, uh, I think the first thing that goes through your mind is why is pit road open? You know, why? that's the first thing I thought is what, I agree why that. is pit road open? Um, and I understand that there was communi- miscommunication between the, the ambulance and NASCAR control. Um, so they opened pit road with the anticipation thinking that the, pit, the ambulance would not be there. And, um, but it drove around there and got in the way, you know, those kind of, it's a human element that's involved in this board and it's going to, you're going to have mistakes. I think that it sucks that it happened in this moment. If it happens in the middle of the season, it's not that big a deal, but this is a race, you know, this is the defining race for the season. All these people trying to race into the chase and all that, the playoffs and so forth. So a little more, a little more attention brought to it. Fortunately, it did not knock Matt out of the chase. chase, Yeah. That would have been big. It, it got a little more attention than it probably deserved, but it was a mistake nonetheless. I'm sure that um, they'll try not to uh, repeat it going forward. One of the things that I think that it um, the ambulance issue puts a veil over something a little more serious. Um, throwing the yellow for Matt, locking up his brakes. Throwing the yellow for Derek Cope, barely scraping the wall. Um, they're just... When, when NASCAR sort of finds itself in these... NASCAR looks at the Richmond race as an opportunity that they there's a lot of people paying attention right then. There's a lot of people watching NASCAR because it's the last race and there's all these people trying to get into the playoffs. So NASCAR knows that there's a lot of people watching and they know that they need to have some excitement, some drama. And I think that they get a little trigger happy with the cautions. Um and some of those races do, you know, we're sitting there running long green flag runs. We saw how the Xfinity run, race ended the night before. So there's, uh, we're not creating cautions out there. So NASCAR's looking for opportunities to, to throw the yellow. I think that they're getting, you know, in those situations, um, they just kind of get a little trigger happy. That's, that's something that kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Um, but I've complained about, you know, the cautions for a long, long time and, I know, and it seemed like everybody... Doesn't really seem to do any see, good. The, the conspiracy theorists <laughs> thought that we were going to get a caution. Yeah. Because we, like, our strategy was, hey, hopefully we get a caution. And all the conspiracy theorists yeah. were like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. Right. And they didn't do it, but then they did it with three laps to go Yeah. to make a dramatic finish. And essentially cost Martin... I mean, obviously yeah. they lost the lead on pit road, 
to the 42, but he was going to win that race. Sure. So that could turn out to be a, that was a little like a 10 point swing plus five for Larson and five less than Truex yeah. was going to have. So that could, I don't think it's going to play out like that because I think Truex is going to be fine to get to Homestead, but it, you never know. Yeah. Well, he could have used those points. Right. It's just a little too, too obvious sometimes, those late yellows. I mean, you just know they're coming. Um, but to it, it would not be quite so obvious, I guess, if they would throw it with 20 or 10 to go, but not like set up a obvious uh, green oh, light checkered. <laughs> overtime. <laughs> guess what? <laughs> so it, um, it, it's a little frustrating, especially, I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated with it running 13th. Imagine – how Truex feels, you know, yeah, he or, was pretty or really anybody who maybe was in the, you know, but even Truex, but someone else who was running second, third, fourth all night that ends up running, you know, losing a few spots late in the race. It's just real frustrating. You work 400, you run 400 laps with your tongue hanging out, bang, like, you know, just going as hard as you can all night long. What if that would have set up a situation and Boyer or Logano would have won the race, knocked somebody else out of the chase, yeah, then over like a questionable caution there. Yeah, it's definitely questionable. Um, I think that you might not see much of that going forward until Homestead. Yeah. And Homestead. They have been doing such a good job, but then it's like you get to that one I'm big you, it's race. These, I know. It's in these big races. It's like they know they, they have so many people paying attention. This is opportunity to really um, – they, they just feel like they need this – they need a moment. They need to. They need to have a moment or. They something. love moments. Yeah. But they're gonna get plenty they need of. To be, they need to happen authentically and naturally. Right. Yeah. They're gonna get plenty of moments because the playoffs start this week. That's Obviously, right. we're not in them, but you're still in the race. Yeah. Does that? Like obviously, I've never been in this situation. Do you? How do you approach a race as a guy that's not in the playoffs? Like. Are you super cognizant of them, yeah. or are you like, screw it, I race it the same as I always do? Nah, you're very aware of who's in the chase and who's not. You're very, um, especially your teammates. To be honest with you, it's not a ton of fun. Um, if you're if you're not if you don't make the playoffs or you get knocked out as you go into the rounds, uh, especially at Homestead. Like if at Homestead last year, Jimmy Jimmy is in the playoffs and and you're not. Uh, anytime you might have a restart around him, that's no fun. You don't, you know, you, because, okay, so if, typically on a restart, you're just going to go. You're like trying to pass everybody you can pass. This is an opportunity to do everything you can do while everybody's kind of together. And if you're restarting around a teammate that's trying to win the championship, then your whole ad, your whole mindset changes that's you know you don't want to do anything that's going to screw him up you got 500 employees going to be pissed off at you when you go back to work on monday so you have you you know and, and i know the fans will be like nah don't worry about that just run your race but you can't do it that way you got a boss and and all the employees and everybody wanting to win that championship and they expect they you know they, you're part of the company they expect you to do what the company needs done um so you have to check some of your priorities a little bit and it sucks to have to race that way. Uh, there's a couple scenarios that'll play out uh, throughout the throughout the ch uh, the playoffs. At maybe at uh, Talladega, you know, there might be a race uh, or two as you get through these rounds where all right, you know what your teammates need to do. This guy's got to finish here. This guy's got to do this, do that. Um, and you might. You know, we were in a situation a couple years ago where I was trying – I needed to win Talladega to get into the next round. And uh, so we talked all weekend about what, what the teammates could do to help me. And so the teammates sort of have to change the way they race. And it's not a lot of fun because you want to go out there and try to win a race, you know. And, and we, we want to win a race badly. Uh, but there may be some situations where we have to sort of put that on the, put that on the back burner. Uh, for the company, and that's not a that's not a ton of fun. But you know, you definitely don't want to be the guy that screws up somebody else's chance to win a championship, especially um, you know early in this chase. I mean, it's just not it's not a lot of fun being being the guy that ruined it for somebody else. Right. So um, that's kind of a product of this system, and you know, it's just the way it is. But 
we're still hope hopefully you know if you run up front and you're leading you're not in that situation right you know, you just but let if you're let them deal with it yeah behind they're you. behind you dealing with it but if you're stuck around you know if you're stuck in the middle of the thick of it <laughs> you have to be cognizant you have of to it be aware yeah. yeah it's not fun um i think that uh it's hard to tell who the who uh the favorite is i know that you know i think you got to look at the playoff points that everybody has um and it, Truex that, has a 20-point gap on everybody. Right. That's going to help carry him, I think, through Homestead. That should, unless they have just a – you know, if they had a motor failure last year at Talladega, they yeah. hurt him pretty bad. I think it would probably take two, though. Right. Because I think one would set him back to the field, so it would probably take yeah. – you'd have to mess up two and out of three And this is races. each round he's going to have this advantage. Yeah. So – and as fast as they are, I mean, it's like – they just hang out, hang out, hang out, and then they'll just win a, yeah. a stage like nothing. Yeah. So it's going to be tough to beat them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think last year, everybody thought the 48 and the Hendrick cars were out of it, and they showed up at Chicago, which Jimmy tested Chicago. So I would, I still wouldn't count Jimmy out. Oh, no. 42 yeah. is going to be good. 18 is going to be good. Yeah. You can't count anybody out, even though, you know, the you know, like you talked about Jimmy, you can't count those guys out because we've seen it time and time again, year after year, where teams come out of nowhere, teams that haven't been competitive throughout the season come out of nowhere and race for the championship. Look at Tony Stewart's last championship where he wasn't – he was like 12th or 11th in the points going into the system, going into the playoffs, and ends up winning four or five races in the championship. Yeah. And then, like, the, the year Harvick won, Newman – didn't win a race all year, but then Maybe finished second. Homestead. Yeah, and he, I think he was second or third in that race. In the race, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, um, is the what makes it exciting is the the lottery feel of it or the unknown. I don't think it's a lottery you feel. Know? I mean, it's no different. Do you think the NCAA basketball tournament's a lottery feel? Well, no, not really. I guess. So I mean, like it seems like the best usually there could be some upsets in here. But the lot, but the, the, yeah. Like I would say the year that Jimmy, obviously not last year, but two years ago, I think they had a part failure at Dover. Yeah. And they got knocked out of the first round. I would say that's like a top two seed in the NCAA bracket getting upset. Right. So it's good comparison. Kind of similar feel. It's I a think. Good comparison. That's a good argument for all the people that say that. Um, you know they don't like the one race win it all championship feel. That's a I like put it. Put up a good argument. I like it because I I remember as a fan growing up, you would come in and you would pretty much know who was going to win. It, it'd be the scenario of this guy's got to finish twenty fifth, yeah. which obviously they earned it over the whole season. But I think to me it's more exciting the one and done. Although what if your what if your intermediate program isn't the best and you have to decide it on an intermediate track yeah well homestead is a unique place and it's gotten harder and harder to pass there everybody's started everybody's figured out how to run the wall yeah and if heart if larson i think if larson makes it to homestead he wins yeah because he's going to be the best at hit at rolling that fence he yeah. can he can roll the fence as good as anybody i would agree with that i think he could beat truex even on truex's best day at homestead really yeah I, I wouldn't agree. I wouldn't disagree with that. Well, it's a the thing about it is, is you can be fast at Homestead, but if but you got to run like right on the wall. And we saw it with the Xfinity race last year, Algar and all those guys. I mean, they hit the wall four or five times in the race. Now, if you do that with a Cup car, it's not going to drive as well each time you hit the wall. It's not like you can just keep on digging. Right. Um. And uh, you know, you're going to have to run on that fence all night and. We'll, we'll, I think Larson can do it without fail. Without you know, we've seen him actually run in the fence quite a bit. But um, but now he knows where it's at. Now, yeah, I think he can do it all night without really getting into it too much. Whereas those other guys, it's going to be a pressure cooker, man. It's going to be a tough situation trying to run all night at yeah. Homestead without fail and uh, without mistake. And I think I I put my money on Larson. Uh, I'm pulling for my teammates. Uh, behind my teammates, I hope that um, Truex is up in there getting it done. Being good friends with him, um, is there a dark horse that you think? Yeah, I was trying could surprise. to think of who could kind of come out of nowhere, and the one based on the last two weeks might be Kurt Busch. 
Yeah. He's run real up, well the yeah. last two races. They have picked up their performance couple last couple weeks. So maybe that would be a dark horse. Yeah. But I don't I don't expect anybody Do else. Do you think to, that Matt Kenseth is a dark horse? No, I would say if you're driving a Toyota I mean, well, that you're I know, favorite. but he barely got in. Yeah. He hasn't won a race all year. Yeah. But I think if you looked I would, at out of all the Toyotas, I would consider him probably the dark horse of the Toyota bunch. Of the Toyota bunch, yeah. yeah. But if you probably, I don't know this for a fact, but if you look at the first 13 races and the last 13 races, he's probably pretty high in points for that second half of the Who? regular season match. Who's guessing? Yeah. Well, because he, he <laughs> had a terrible start. He was way back there in points. Yeah. Um, and he, he ran up through there because not that many guys made it on points. I think it was Matt, Chase, and... Jamie McMurray. So, ten yep. four. All right. Well, it's going to be exciting. It is. All right, folks. This is going to be uh, like our second call in. Second. Guess. Yes. So this two. is our second. Now, Jimmy Johnson was our first. So we've had Dangerous Summer playing as our theme music for a long time now a group that we're very big fans of and also become quite good friends with. We're going to call AJ Perdomo, the lead singer of the band, right now. So give him a call. It's He's in L.A., so it's 6 o'clock. He said to call him, though. Yep. Hello? Hey, AJ. Yo, FaceTime ha- audio. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Why not the real thing? They say that this is... Crisper audio. That's what our people tell us. Excellent choice, my friends. Yes, sir. I like it. So, um, we're, we're not live, are we? Yeah, we're live. Oh my God. That's awesome. You can hear me, though. I can hear you great. Nice. Cool. Yeah. How you guys doing? We're doing good. How are you? Dude, doing good. Feeling good. Yep. So, this, uh, this past Sunday, we got together for, uh, a concert, the Four Chord Music Festival in Pittsburgh. Um, you guys just got back together. You're playing new. Sh- you're playing shows, and you got a new record coming out. And when's the record coming out? Um, January. Yeah, we'll in January. And so, how you guys been on break for like four years, right? Yeah, four years. Yeah, four years. So, yeah, so how's that all feel? Be back together, playing music, got a new record coming out. You guys got to be pretty excited. Dude, um, it feels better than ever. You know, uh, we went in there uh, February. We decided to get back together, and I called up the boys, and, you know, it never felt more right. You know, we're, we're all on the same page, and we all felt the same way about the way everything was going. It's like the universe is telling us to come back, you know. And so, so yeah. we wrote. So how's that work? Like, so you legitimately got the band back together, but yeah, how? Just, how do you just sit there like, man? I feel like making another record. Pretty much, yeah. It's like you really start to feel like this missing thing in your life, you know. Like it was all coming back and. We just saw all these fans talking about us and talking about us, and finally the momentum hit, and we had to really pour it out. You know, we yeah. finally decided to get in a room together. And honestly, like the first day we got together, we wrote the first song on the album, and it's actually going to be the first track on the album. And uh, yeah, we went in to record in July, and yeah, I saw you out there as well. Good <laughs> times. And, uh, Am I allowed to say that? Oh, yeah, Sorry. you can say that. I can believe it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so we went out and made that album, and it just felt so right, you know? Yeah. And it feels like the dangerous summer still. It doesn't feel like anything's ever changed. Yeah. Uh, Even though it's four years, they don't feel like four years. Like, we got back together, and it feels like a couple months ago we used to play together and hang out, and it's just nothing's ever changed, man. Yeah. Well, I've had the um, good fortune of being able to hear some of the new material, and I think that the uh, 
I think the fans are going to really be excited. It's got uh, it does feel like the Dangerous Summer. It's very, uh, but it's a little more mature, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, I'm excited about that. But dude, thank you, my yeah, man. And and you say some of it. I mean, you heard it all. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I just uh, it's great. You know, I'm really excited about the the new record. I just uh, wonder, you know, the how much have you been back long enough to understand what the scenes like today versus where, where it was when you guys uh, took a break has much changed. And do you, uh, did you kind of come back in seamlessly? Um, it is like such a different thing. Uh, four years ago, like when we broke up, we, uh, the whole, the whole, like kind of, I guess people call it pop punk or emo or whatnot. Uh, it was a whole different thing. You know, there's been a revival in the past four years and things like, uh, emo night are coming out and all these bands from our generation and the bands we grew up with are all just seeing this flare up of fans and attention to our music scene. I think it, it, it took a while for, uh, bands like us to rise up out of our little pocket that we were in. And, uh, we can really see just, I mean, you were there this weekend. Like, I've never played to that many people before, you know. And we played on Friday to like three thousand people, and I can't even imagine, you know. And booking tours that are just way different than they would have been four and five years ago. And I just, it feels good to see so much attention being shown on our type of music and all of our friends' music and. I just think the scene is finally growing and getting a good spotlight that it needs. Yeah. Well, so uh, I became a big fan of you guys and um, started listening to a lot of y'all's music, and then we struck up a conversation online and uh, started uh, uh, chatting quite a bit. You actually came out to Fontana at the start of the year. You also came to the Sonoma race, having never really been around racing. What would you think about all that experience and – I know you're bringing a couple of your uh, buddies with you to those two events, and this weekend, uh, the band's talking about even coming to Talladega and seeing that race. So, are you guys becoming rig race fans? What do you think about NASCAR? Oh my God, I love it, man! <laughs> as soon as I started, like, uh, you know, talking to you and whatnot, I started turning on the races. I remember you told me you were like, "Hey, check out Daytona. That's like our Super Bowl," and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Like. Because I, I literally have no clue before uh, how everything worked. And, yeah, when I went into Fontana, man, it's just loud and freaking big. And there's so many people. Like, you guys, it's like this this whole other world that you don't really see. Which is, it's so crazy because you think of NASCAR as very mainstream. But, like, people don't even realize how big it is. At least from, you know, my side of the world. All my friends... uh you know, we we look into it now, and it's just like it's so unreal, and it's it's such a, a big event, and the community is such a community. When you walk in there, and you know, everyone's got their RVs and those flags, man. It's like something out of Mad Max. You know, it's, it's <laughs> crazy. So, so dude, it, it was awesome, and love watching the race, and love watching you kill it, man. Thanks, man. So the you talked about new record coming out in January. Um, what do you guys got going on and what do you do as a band leading up to the release of that? And as soon as it's released, what happens? Like, what's the process for you guys? Uh, yeah, so it's kind of crazy waiting until January. That's that's like the hardest part is the waiting game. And we the, just record's, play these... the record's pretty much finished, right? Yeah, so the record's done. Uh, we're still mixing and mastering, you know, tweaking little knobs here and there, trying to make it sound as good as possible, still working on artwork and whatnot. So it, it takes a little while after you're done recording and they do some marketing lead up. So they want a 12 weeks to lead up to January. So, uh, once, you know, we play these three shows, uh, we might do small things here and there, but we're really holding everything for, uh, we're holding everything back for when the album comes out and we're going to tour. We're just going to, really like lay it all on the line then you know once once people can hear the new music we're gonna just drive home with it uh gonna tour all over america we just booked uh, a uk tour 
and uh, hoping to hit Australia soon after that. And then we'll just keep going, you know, keep going until uh, we build up the fan base again and we feel comfortable. And, yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. Well, good deal, man. Well, I'm excited for you, and um, I'm excited for all the all the fans to hear the new stuff. It's going to be awesome to see the reaction. Dude, uh, thank you so much, man. Yeah. Well, looking forward to it, man. Well, I appreciate you allowing us to call you up. Uh, thanks Dude, for letting yeah. us. Hey, thanks for letting us uh, showcase all these songs all year long on this on this radio show, man. You made it a lot better. Hey, man, <laughs> I really appreciate it, man. And I I see every day uh, your fans, you know, hitting me up online and coming up to me at shows, and it's awesome, man. It's it's a great, you know, you the things you and I do, they're not that much different. You know, it's good right. to cross cross the streams, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, so. all right, bud. Take care, man. Rest up. All right, my friend. Have a good one. We'll see you. All right, see you. Bye. If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. All right, now we're going to get to our Ask Junior questions. As always, we take these questions on Twitter using the hashtag Ask Junior. The first question is from at J 54 He asked, which car do you want to drive at Martinsville in Nationwide's fan vote? The Grey Ghost or your 2015 Patriotic Scheme? I um, I would like to drive the Grey Ghost because I didn't get to run it at Darlington. Ooh. This will sway the vote. <laughs> Certainly would. They are like neck and neck right now. Yeah, but uh, is it the Grey Ghost Orange? Right, it's yeah, last year's yeah, yeah. Darlington scheme. Yeah, it's uh, so I, they're able to vote on any of the nationwide cars you're okay. in. Well, I would go Grey Ghost because I wanted to run it. I didn't get to race it, and it meant a lot to me as my favorite paint scheme from the from the history of the sport. There you go. This it's a sure thing now. Woo! And if you haven't already, you can go to pick the eighty eight paint scheme dot com. And vote. That's up for about another two weeks. Yep. Pick um, the 88 paint scheme.com. So help with the gray ghost vote, I guess. Yep. At Holly Stoller asked, I know that the people of Key West are most important, but you have have you received any updates on the status of your rebuild house since the hurricane passed through? No, we haven't. Uh, power and phones are still down, so there's no cell service there. There's, um, there's a bunch of telephone poles down. A lot of a lot of time before power will be restored. Um, you know, we just kind of been getting little updates. Same thing everybody else is getting on Twitter about, you know, the progress down there. So apparently, it's quite a bit of property damage, and um, you know, we'll just have to keep we're just you know have to keep our fingers crossed uh, that everybody's okay. And um, yeah, I don't really. Uh, I mean, the property is awesome, and hope hope it's not too much damage. But whatever they, you know, whatever's tore up, we'll fix. And hoping hoping all our friends are safe. At uh, Zach D P Henderson asked, I saw that William Byron was watching the Cup race from turn two and on top of the '88 pit box. What can you pick up from simply watching a race in person like that? Well, when you know, when you're up in the corner, you can see how the cars are working and what the drivers may be fighting. You can also see guys making mistakes, and that kind of teaches you some of the things that uh, you can you can find yourself getting into. Um, see guys overdrive the corner, or see somebody taking you know taking a real nice clean line through there. You can learn a lot about that. Car, the Cup cars drive different than the Xfinity cars, and they you know they're gonna have a little different power, and you can really see that at a track like Richmond. Um, where it's real easy to miss the corner and make mistakes and stuff like that. So you can pick up on a quite quite a bit uh, just by you know being down in the corner real close. Now sitting from the pit box, you can't really you can't really see that. Is it's, that more like just the communication? I I mean I guess being on the pit box just kind of you get a good feel or sense of what the team's dealing with and what they're working on and the adjustments they're trying to make to the car and um, but but to really get an understanding of what what to really learn and watch and see you need to be within very close proximity of the cars in the corner at jenny harms asked you have several nicknames and nicknames what do you prefer to be called junior dale ralph little e june bug or something else <laughs> um uh junior's fine i think that you know amy calls me ralph um junior's fine dale is 
not something I'm used to people calling me, so I don't know. I'll look in that, you know, it's kind of weird when you hear Dale. There's a commercial on TV where there's a guy named Dale, and it's annoying. Is it? Yeah. What commercial is that? I don't remember, but when it comes on, you're like. I call just, you Dale. So is that annoying? I know you do. So you want me to call you Junior? You say, you say Junior sometimes. Sometimes. Well, my dad told me that not, not to worry about it as long as they're calling. Oh. Yeah. What if they call so you a bad not, name? So when they're not calling your name, you need to worry. <laughs> <laughs> At Webby SWB13 asked, with the playoff field set, will there be less pressure on you so that you can enjoy the last 10 races a little more? You know, I don't I don't know that that's a – you definitely aren't – no, I mean, there's uh, there's a there's kind of this – bummer in the back of your mind all the time that you're not in the playoffs you know um there is less pressure but you kind of this is a moment where you this is a this is a part of the pressure that you want you know this is a part of the responsibility you sign up for the pressure yeah this is a part of the responsibility that you look forward to so to not be in the playoffs is like not being invited to the party you know it's not it's like not being in the fraternity um so it's not quite as enjoyable there is some pressure off, but that also can let people lean toward, you know, the team. You you got them, you know, you could be concerned maybe that the team might not take. Like you checking out. Yeah. Kind of deal. You could be, you know, you if I, I would have to be concerned about me or any of the guys on the team maybe checking out or not thinking it is that not thinking it is as serious as it is because. Um, you're not in the playoffs, so you think. I think it's key to reiterate to yourself, to your team, and everybody else that it's you know it's business as usual, and you need to keep working hard, and you want to try to win these races. And because um, when you are knocked out of the playoffs, we got knocked out of one of the rounds uh, and won Martinsville, yep. and that you know we got knocked out. We're sad. We're pissed off. Uh, damn it, you know the season's come to an end early. And then we go and win Martinsville, and it became like almost the highlight of the year for us, and was a huge, you know, huge part of the season. So that's what you want to happen if you're not in the playoffs. You want to go out there and win a race. In both 14 and 15, you won pretty quickly after getting eliminated from the playoffs. Right. So maybe that is a good omen for this year. Maybe so. I mean, we're not going to win the championship, but we can still win a race or two. That's what you want. At Racing Chef 88 asks, if a team doesn't use all of the tires they're given for a race, are they allowed to carry those over to the next race? No, they're not. Um, and that's the frustrating part is you can't, you know, there's there's nothing good about having sticker tires left in the pits after the race. Um, obviously, you didn't use your strategy properly to use all your tires because you want to use them all. Uh, but you can't take them to a, you can't take them to a test. You can't take them, you know, NASCAR takes them all back. But do you get your money back? Um, I don't know. Um, you might, you might, because they're they say they're very expensive. They're very expensive. So yeah. yeah, thousands of dollars a set. We had two sets still in the pits at the end of the Xfinity race, and they only give you like four or five for a race. Yeah. <laughs> As an owner, maybe you'll get that, that was money a done. terrible uh, strategic error. Yeah. Well, there was no caution. I in know. That final stage. Yeah. So yeah. At Good Space point. Ace 3 asks, do you think NASCAR will ever go back to Japan and do an off-season race like they did in the late 90s? You know, I don't, I don't think you ever say, you know, you never say never. Um, it was the long trip for very little reward, I guess. Yeah. As somebody that does the traveling, I would hate it. Yeah. Because you work all year and it's like you want your two and a half months to yeah. live the a weather normal. was The weather was miserable. Um, even when it wasn't raining, it was cold as heck in the mornings. Um, just not a lot of, not a lot of fun. I mean, it just really, it was a great experience when I went, but I did, to do it once was fun. Uh, to go back again, I don't know if I'd be that excited about it. At Mike Mosher 14 asks, have you ever been wrecked on purpose? If so, how did you respond? <laughs> I'm sure I have. Uh, Usually you you just put it in the back of your mind, and next time you get the opportunity to to wreck that guy, you you most of the time you wreck him. I mean, it's probably not the best decision to make, uh, and it's hard to admit, but a lot of times you yeah you know, race car drivers have awful big egos, and 
when you get wrecked, you feel like that you've been, you know, embarrassed in front of not only your team, but all the people, all the fans at the track and everybody watching on TV. And so a lot of times your reaction is much worse or much bigger than it needs to be. Um, and we all feel like, you know, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you. If you spin me out, I'm going to spin you out. It's eye for an eye kind of mentality. Like if you ruin my race, I need to ruin your race some yeah. sometime. I would you know, agree. I'm with going that. to, yeah, really, because that's how drivers feel. Like if you you ruin my race, I'm gonna make sure that you know how that feels. You know, I'm gonna give you exactly what you gave me, and uh, it might not happen that race. Uh, you typically don't want to do it that race or the next race because NASCAR will can you know make you might get a more severe penalty if you do it so quickly because they know that it was intentional. But if you wait a month, two months down the line and do it, then they don't know whether you meant to or not. So you don't like just get over it? Over Hell it. no. So like, like just get, just for, forget about it? Yeah. No, you never forget about it. I still remember getting spun out in 1996 at, at Myrtle Beach in my first Xfinity race. Um, Jason Keller got booted out of the way by my teammate, Jeff Green. And Jason came down the track to try to get either get Jeff Green back or to just get back in line. And I was there and um, he ran into the right front corner of my car and spun me out. And he came down the track so hard. Um, it just knocked me around. Did you I ever know, get him he back? Wasn't, no, I never got him back. But it wasn't intentional, but I never forgot it and I never got over it. So if you and Jason Keller... We're in a late model race, and you had the opportunity. I'd push him out of the way, yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, this is my time. Yeah. Dang. At May Moss. If he was sitting right here, I would have to convers- I'd have to ask him about it. I'd, we've never talked about it. And I don't know that he thought anything of it. I mean. he. Do you think he even remembers that he did it? Probably not. Because you, like, you remember the people that hit you, but you probably don't remember everybody that you've I hit. Did, exactly. <laughs> yep. At May Moss 53 asked, you and your mom talk about her not attending many races. Has it always been this way, or did it evolve into that once you started racing so much? Mom loves the racing. Um, she is a she's probably the biggest fan that Junior Motorsports has. She texts me every Saturday as the racing is going on and at the finish of every Xfinity race with her opinion about how we did and what's going on, and she's super into it. Um, she also sends me a text before every race and after every race that I run. She doesn't like going. She don't like going. She doesn't like the crowd and the hustle and bustle and traffic travel to get there and all that stuff. Yeah. She just rather sit at home and enjoy. She's always her excuses are dogs. I can't go anywhere. My dogs, <laughs> you know. She can't, you know, she can't do anything outside of going to lunch because of her dogs. So, oh. yeah. She don't want to leave her dogs. I'm like, yeah. So you think she'll come to Homestead? She's going to Homestead. She is I'm coming sure to Homestead. Yeah, I'm going to make sure of that. At Mike Belcher 85 asked, if you could be teammates with one driver from the past, who would it be and why? Uh, I think it'd be cool to be teammates with my dad, of course. Um, or maybe Kel Yarborough was always a guy that I pulled for and thought a lot of. Um, he's a guy that I probably respect the most, aside from my father behind the wheel. Uh, so Kel Yarborough, Dale Jarrett, I think it'd be awesome to be teammates with him. He's been a very Big time supporter of me and helped me through a lot of things on and off the track. Uh, he's still there today. If you want, call him up. You need anything? He's the kind of guy that can, you know, go to lunch, sit down, talk things out, figure out what what what's the best path. Um, if your teammates with your dad, would you want it? Would you have wanted it to be like on a team that he owns, or like for RCR that somebody else? Probably owns? a team he owns. Okay. He was a vicious teammate. Like he didn't like having a teammate. Uh, so he vicious like, may be a strong word, but when, when Skinner came, Dad wasn't really accepting of having a teammate. Didn't think he wanted a teammate, needed a teammate. Didn't like the competition that creates in the shop of having who gets the best motor, who gets who you know, who's getting the most uh, attention, and you know, who's got the better car going in the racetrack. Uh, when he got outrun or outqualified, he didn't like that. So I don't know if I'd want to be his teammate on another team because I don't know that he was quite grasping the teammate 
idea of working together and leaning on each other to make each other better. Yeah, like, well, what do you think he would have thought about like four car teams and he, having to deal with all that? Well, I mean, he had a three car team, so oh yeah, he owned right. He owned a three car team and a two car team, but uh, so I think he understood how that works financially and why you want it that way. But I don't know that he would have enjoyed the competition side, the competition side of it, as a driver. At MSM eleven oh eight asks if you have music, if you could have music playing in your car during the race, what would you listen to, and would the music differ based on the type of track? Nah, it'd probably be the same. I, I've I've been listening to a lot of um, rock and punk rock, and uh, that would probably be the tempo that I would want in the car to keep, you know, because. Music changes my mood, I think, much like most people that listen to music. So you'd want something that gave you energy, right? You'd want something that fired you up and get your heart going. Wouldn't yeah, but you? Would, would you, I would think you would want something a little slower for like a road course, like a Sonoma. No. Because it seems like if you were like, yeah, and then you would be. That's inclined. the way you need to be in the car all the time. <laughs> attack, be, attack, attack, attack. You'd be inclined to just yeah. burn the tires off. Yeah. That shows how much I know about driving. <laughs> but all right that's all the ask junior questions we have this week as always you can send us questions using the hashtag ask junior on twitter make the questions good the i think these this are is great. a good these are a good yeah, set these so, are good we'll answer some more next week all right man looking ahead thursday we got a true timber production um true timber is the camo company that we uh are current or we're involved in have ownership in uh, it's about time for hunting season folks so tyler i don't hunt you don't hunt okay no i always so you're not that, that excited about always, this production oh i'm excited about it i like the true timber stuff and they're doing some stuff with mountain dew now but i always talk to lw about hunting yeah and because he makes fun of me. The one time I went with you guys to the hunting property, which y'all weren't hunting. Yeah. But it was a it was an experience. He didn't like it. It was it was interesting. <laughs> Friday we have practice and qualifying. Qualifying's at six forty five Eastern on the NBC Sports Network. Saturday we have another practice uh at eleven thirty and then another one at two. So quite a bit of practice this weekend. Uh the Xfinity race is at three thirty. And that's also on the NBC Sports it's Network. Their last race of the regular season. That's right. It's hard to remember that because you think you know it all should. You know, you're just mentally thinking, man, this is. Yeah, I think they should take the trucks to or they should take the trucks to Richmond and then just make Richmond the cutoff for everybody. Everybody. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Sunday, the race is at three o'clock. Another three o'clock start for us. Well, it's two o'clock in the Central Time Zone. So okay, it's a it's. It's the silver lining. No. That's also on the NBC Sports Network. How's the weather look? It'll be fine. All right. It's supposed to be a little warm up there. So Chicago is a uh, track that Jimmy tested at. It's got this nasty bump in turn three and four, but you can go around it if you move up into the middle groove in the top. Um, There is also a bump going into turn one. It's kind of like driving off a set of stairs. You know what's kind of sad about this weekend? Why? It's the last run for this the neon yellow Exalta paint scheme. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Because you're running Exalta, the bud paint scheme. In Homestead. At Homestead. And, it's, and we're nationwide all the way through? Nationwide and then Mountain Dew at Talladega. Huh. So this will be the last run for the old yellow, neon yellow and orange car. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good looking car. Yeah, I like I'll it. I'll miss it. Yeah, me too. It's probably one of my top top three favorite cars I've paint schemes that i've had in my career that's cool yeah it's it's a good one 10-4 all right guys thank you good we'll show i appreciate it
The Dale Jr. Download and all Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts are made possible by Exalta. You can subscribe to all eight programs on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all major podcasting outlets. As always, you can listen to Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts on DaleJr.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo' Radio. Also, check out the Dirty Mo' Radio Facebook page. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 